At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And uh, we are coming to you live from Saturday morning. Time is fake. Time travel is real. No matter where you are right now, what time you're listening to this, for us, it's Saturday morning, and that's a pretty incredible thing. Small miracles are happening every day. I was woken at about seven this morning, which is actually sleeping in for me, all things considered. But um, we had a very large bear dog on the bed, Aww. which is fine. He's allowed on the bed. He just never gets up there. Like we try to encourage him to do so because we would love nothing more than to have a big cuddle puddle with our baby boy. But he um, he like just will not do it. But this morning we had a thunderstorm rolling in. And so, you know. One thing, we're sound asleep. Next thing you know, there is a, a, a wolfish looking creature looming over us in the early morning with lightning cracking <laughs> through the window. <laughs> and uh, he's just oh, sort of, this... he's just sort of standing there hunched over, like panting heavily. The poor thing gets oh, no. terrified of thunderstorms. So he was like shaking visibly. Poor baby. We snuggled down and, no. you know, had a big puddle puddle and it was good. It was all good. That's good. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me, my friend has this huge germ, has not huge, but my friend has a German Shepherd and she's big as German Shepherds tend to be. And she is welcome on the couch, but she like knows she's big. Unlike a lot of big dogs that don't know how big they are, she knows she's big and she's like insecure about being not about taking up too much room on the couch. Oh. So you have to like convince her that she's allowed on the couch. That's really sweet. Even though she's fully allowed on the couch, but you have to like make lots of space. <laughs> And be like, Mika, look, you can get on the couch. And she'll like sit there and wag her tail and be like, gosh, I sure wish I could get on the couch. I don't know why self-conscious dogs are like such a funny thing to me. My um, my sister's, my family's dog, Rocco, is a little, um, <laughs> he's a little Jack Russell Corgi mix. He's very small and he has, he has very so strict much. ideas. But um, he cannot stand being laughed at. Which is a problem because he's he very often so funny much. and he'll do something and you'll like start giggling and you have to like hide your laughter or stifle it because he will get very irate with you. Like he is indignant. He cannot stand it. He gets so upset and so stressed out if I you laugh at him. One time I laughed at him and he left the room. <laughs> he will. He'll leave the room or he'll like look at you and he'll start going like, uh, He'll, like, just scoff repeatedly, and, like, his ears will go straight up, and his tail will, like, he'll, like, he'll look like he's ready to fight. He's really stressed out. He doesn't like it. But, yeah, he will otherwise just, like, leave the room. He can't, he can't handle it. But, yeah, you have to really talk this German shepherd into getting on the couch. She's allowed. She's never been yelled at for being. her. She's so good. She's never been yelled at for being on the couch. She's not. She she's fully allowed on the couch. <laughs> but baby, <laughs> she baby. She's a baby <laughs> is all. <laughs> so, 
sorry, I'm, I'm not sick. I just choked on my own like breath. That was like, I like, do you know what I mean? Do you ever just like, yeah, no, I definitely, anyway, <laughs> sometimes I'm just allergic to survival. Every time I cough now, I have to be like, <laughs> every time I cough now, I have to be like, no, not like that. I like that you reassured me as if I was somehow going to catch it over like 3000 miles and a microphone. I don't know. We know so little about how it transmits. <laughs> I know. Uh, is it, this is a disease that evolved specifically to target podcasters. Honestly, it's about time. <laughs> it but is. No, I shouldn't say that. Uh, but in all seriousness, I told you I had a weird dream last night. And I know that hearing about people's dreams is like the most boring thing in the world. It's but really also, not. I find it very I need fascinating. To tell, you. tell me about your weird dream. Good. Was I because in it? I had a dream last night that... No, but I had oh. a dream that there were people that were crying spaghetti. Crying spaghetti? Like when they cried, yeah, out of their eyes came spaghetti. That's actually some of the weirdest body <laughs> horror I've heard. It was so strange. Like that's really upsetting, actually. Sauce and noodles. I've had a number of really weird dreams lately. I think it's a stress dreams thing. I usually don't remember oh, yeah. my dreams, but whenever I do dream, um, it's like extremely vivid and very weird and like... All last week, I had, like, every single night, I think I had, like, a weird dream. Um, they were all just odd and, like, stress-free different ways. Like, I remember one of them being very, very claustrophobic. Um, there was an another one that was really stressful. I was, like, trying to escape from this particular place along with a group of other, like, you know, vagabond teens, because I guess that's a thing that was happening. And there was this, like, place we were trying to sort of, like, break out of and, like, make a run for it, like, on this train or whatever. But Bear was also in the dream with me. And, it, like, at some point I had to make the decision Bear. between, like, trying to catch up with everybody else or, like, oh, no. running back and staying with Bear. And so I ran back and stayed with Bear, obviously. But it was, like, just very weird and right. stressful. And then we were, like, hiding in the woods. And I don't actually know what we were running from. But it was, like, really, really, really weird. I'm sorry. The other one I had was, like, it's okay. Yeah, it was a lot to wake up to and just sort of, like, check and make sure my dog was still there. But the other one was... um like I said, very claustrophobic. I was like, there was something I had to get done and it involved me like crawling through a bunch of ducts and like sneaking around this like big weird building. Um, oh. I, again, I really don't remember why it was like that. You'll notice all of my dreams are very genre specific. <laughs> I have a lot of genre dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I just have people that cry spaghetti. <laughs> But I remember the end of that dream actually was kind of nice because after like this really weird stress dream, it kind of tapered off. Um, and it wasn't like most dreams where I sort of like woke up in the middle of the most stressful part. It like it had an end to it. And like the epilogue of this dream was I was wandering around in this like very, very quiet, like serenely still city, like a big city. It looked like Pittsburgh, but everything was just like uh -huh. quiet, like nobody was in the streets, but it wasn't like creepy silent. It was just like very peaceful. It was like the middle of the night and like the stars were out and you could see all of the buildings like reflecting on the water and like the bridges were gorgeous. And it was like really, really kind of nice. I would like to find my way back to silent Pittsburgh sometime. Well, that's nice. I'm yeah. glad you got to have that. And then I like found this cool, possibly paranormal like all night diner. And there was like nobody else in there except whoever was running the diner. It was very like lo-fi hip hop beats to relax to, you know. To relax slash study to. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I love lo-fi hip-hop beats to relax slash study too. <laughs> this has been Dream Chat with Alex and Addison. That's fine. Today's kind of a low-key episode anyway. Uh, this is a, a really, really fun cryptid. I did enjoy a lot learning about it, but it's just one of those that, um, you know, what you see is what you get. It's, it's sort of very straightforward and specific, and uh, there's not a lot of sort of extrapolatory 
information on it. So uh, it's not going to be a terribly long episode. I hope it'll be a fun one. You know, we're trying our best out here just like everybody else. So these these may not be the longest or most in-depth or best researched or highest quality episodes you get from us, but you will keep getting them from us. And I think that's what counts. And that's the podcaster's promise. <laughs> that's the cryptid keeper difference, TM. Yeah, it may not be good, but you will get it. It will happen to you. <laughs> to you. <laughs> Our podcast will happen to you. Uh, that's kind of ominous. That sounds like a threat. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, today we're talking about the Alicanto. I don't know what that is. Ooh, well, you're in for a treat. The Alicanto is a very, very fun um, Chilean cryptid. Oh, very cool. Can you spell it? Yeah, Alicanto is A-L-I-C-A-N-T-O. Okay. Or sometimes there are two L's. Sometimes it's A-L-L-I-C-A-N-T-O, but most often I see it A-L-I-C-A-N-T-O. Alicanto. Okay. Any guesses on what the Alicanto is? Um, is it like... I have literally no idea. Is it like, um... I'm just gonna... It's... Is it... I actually kind of love this game. I kind of love this game of you having, like, of, of one of us just saying the name of the thing and the other person having to just sort of guess what they think it might be. Tell me about your... Is it a, is it a possum on a pogo stick? It's not, but that would be awesome. I, I do want to find whatever that cryptid is now. I've just made it up, so good luck. No, the Alicanto is a uh, bird. Oh. It's a big bird, and it's a nocturnal bird. Yes. And it glows. And it what? It glows oh mm -hmm. oh very good yep. now is this like a bioluminescent kind of glowing or is this a magic glowing that's a really good question and that actually is the one thing on which there is a little bit of discourse and so i would love to get into that but um first things first basic description of the alicanto coming to us from the cryptids wiki <clears throat> Alicanto are nocturnal, luminescent birds that live in the caves and mines of Chile. At night, their feathers shine with metallic color, and their eyes emit strange lights. Alicanto are often depicted as large birds, but the size and shape usually vary depending on the sighting or tail. So one, there is more than one Alicanto. It's not like a mythical, singular bird creature. Um, right. It is a supposed species of bird. There are many of them. Um, and you can sort of encounter them at various points or, you know, across history. They do glow mm. in a metallic fashion, and that's actually related to their diet. Like flamingos. Yeah, exactly, like flamingos. <laughs> so there are two types of alicanto. Flamingos are pink because of their diet. They don't glow. You get it. No, but this is actually a very similar thing. So there are two types of alicanto, um, one of which feeds on silver and one of which feeds on gold. They eat oh precious rocks. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell me that they ate some kind of bioluminescent creature, but that is... Nope, they eat precious metals. So the alicanto that eat silver glow silver, and the alicanto that eat gold glow gold. Oh. And sometimes, and this is my very favorite thing about the alicanto, sometimes the alicanto eats so much that it weighs too much to fly. <gasps> like the kakapo. Sometimes it fills its belly with gold and or the then it is too heavy. There's this type there's this parrot that's too that's too fat to fly. <laughs> I don't know if it's pronounced kakapo or kakapo, but people know what I'm talking about, I think. It's mm -hmm. like this big green parrot and it and it doesn't fly, it just kind of strategically falls. This is not a joke. I think I've talked about it on the show before. That's uh, awesome and I they love can't, it. They just kind of strategically fall because they're, like, too big proportionally for their, like, wings. They're too dense for their wings to make them fly. Uh -huh. Anyway, so sometimes the Alicanto gets too full of precious metals. Uh -huh. 
I imagine <laughs> cannot take flight. <laughs> I imagine that that um, there's a pretty narrow margin there, right? You would think like I, I don't know how much gold you can stuff into your tummy before you are just going to be incapable of flight. I, I really don't know. I guess it depends on the size of the alicanto. You know, big boys can probably probably eat a lot more. But just like if you're just like a little guy, you just like feed it like two, three coins and it's just down. It's out of commission. <laughs> anyway, I love these things. They I love these things because some of the drawings of them depict them as like very large, sort of imposing, you know, regal, mythical, metallic birds. But there are other drawings where they just look like little finches that are just glowing. <laughs> and I think that's deeply wonderful. Oh, that's cute. I was already going to ask you, actually, when you said that they glow with metallic colors, I was going to ask what that meant, because that can mean a lot of different colors. Yeah. So, so I'm glad that I have that clarification. So primarily gold or silver, depending on their diet. I would assume that, like, maybe it would be possible for an alicanto to eat both, or maybe an alicanto could eat other precious metals, and then it would like glow in different variants. That would be kind of cool. I don't know if that's true. How precious must the metal be in order for the alicanto to be able to eat it? Um, well, you know, I don't know the answer to that cryptozoologically, but scientifically, I can assume, if I know anything about uh, speciated evolution, and I do know a little bit, that if we're looking at sort of like a Darwin's goldfinch situation here, that there would probably be some evolution of that over time, right? There would probably be like mm -hmm. some adaptive evolution that allowed them to like fill different niches in their ecosystem. So I would think, you know, this is Chilean and they're, they're talking about eating gold and there's some crossover with like miners and, and miner lore. So this was probably a thing where, you know, they were discovering or, or wanted to say that they were discovering large caches of gold. But I would imagine if you took an alicanto and dropped in a different part of the world, um, that over generations it would adapt to fill some different purpose, depending on whatever like the, the precious element there was. So you'd probably get some really, really cool alicanto regional variants out of it. One, I love that. Two, uh, I'm sorry, because the entire time you were giving that really like thoughtful, lovely uh, explanation, my brain was just repeating the phrase, they have expensive tastes over and over again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they do. It's kind of like one of my very favorite things uh, is this like trend that I think sort of started on uh, like Tumblr a couple years ago. Oh, Pokemon regional variants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pokemon regional variants or like Pokemon crossbreeds, quote unquote. And the one I was thinking of is there are a bunch for Sableye because like Sableye is a little Pokemon, as you know, um, Sableye is a little Pokemon that eats gems and eats like rocks. And so eat rocks. there were these he really cool variations of like what different Sableyes who lived on different diets would be. And, you know, if there was one that was just sort of scrounging around like on whatever it could find, like in a junk heap versus if you had a Sableye that was like the the pet of some very rich family that like would use that as a status symbol to show like look how expensively we can afford to just toss junk into our dog <laughs> because <laughs> because it's like you know got little pearls all over its body or it's got like big gold eyes or whatever it's got like rubies so you know uh which is an interesting thing i really like the lore behind that that's amazing i like kind of the idea of somebody like I mean, I don't love the idea of anybody keeping an animal as a status symbol, but for me, the lore implications of a fantasy world built around this of some like family that kept an alicanto specifically as a status symbol, because if you can afford to keep a domestic house pet that feeds on gold, it means that you have a lot of disposable income. You've got lots of gold. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm just imagining an Instagram influencer 
having an alicanto. No one tell influencers mm. about these creatures. Nobody tell influencers about the alicanto. They're going to become the new like designer pet. Don't let that happen. So an interesting thing about the alicanto that I sort of alluded to a minute ago, but didn't actually get into the details of, is that the stories mm-hmm. of the alicanto are heavily tied up with like minor culture, which is a weird thing to say. Nobody really talks about minor culture. But gold miners and silver miners used to be the ones who would talk about sightings of the Alicanto. And part of this is because, Mm -hmm. uh, one, spotting an Alicanto is said to bring good luck. And this is because, two, if you can find and follow an Alicanto without being caught, you will find silver and or gold. So if you follow a silver Alicanto, you'll find silver, if you follow a gold Alicanto, you'll find gold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, here is where it gets interesting. You got to be really, really sneaky about it because Uh if the Alicanto figures out that you are following them, they will push you off a cliff. That is not what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. No, they just yeet. (laughs) Wait, how? Well, if they're big ones, you know, if they're big ones, they just what if you're not near a cliff? I I think that they primarily (laughs) inhabit like cliffside mines and... Okay, I'm just, I was thinking about the logistics. What if you're nowhere near a cliff? Does it carry you to the nearest cliff? I may be, I don't know. It does specify cliffs. It does specify that it will push you up a cliff or um, alternatively, the the other variant on this is, is luring you into a deep ravine where you will fall to your death. Oh my God. My guess would be the smaller ones have to sort of more rely on that. Why are they so aggressive? Because you're coming for their food. I mean, I guess. What if you're following it by accident? You're not even actually trying to steal its gold. God, there's just so many potential ways for this to go wrong. I don't know how you follow a golden glowing bird by accident. Well, maybe you're following it because it's a pretty bird. Like, what if you don't Ah, know the lore? That's more what I mean. Like, what if you're following it for, like, purer purposes? And it doesn't know that. You're just admiring its beautiful golden plumage and then it... (laughs) Pushes you off a cliff. (laughs) That's an interesting point. There is, um, in some sources, sort of an exception to this rule, which is that if the Alicanto likes you, and I have no idea what you do to make this happen, that if the Alicanto likes you, it may actually help you find gold and silver, provided that you share. Oh, wait. (laughs) So if you are favored by an Alicanto, they will actually like lead you to a cache of it. Um, and then you're just supposed to share it with the Alicanto. The problem is I can't imagine how you win the favor of an Alicanto without feeding it gold or silver. So, like, you need to already know where the gold slash silver is, I feel like. I'm sort of envisioning, like, maybe you're uh, a miner or whatever, and you have, like, a small pittance of gold to your name, and uh, you see this beautiful Alicanto bird, and it is sort of, like, watching you with curious eyes because it sees that you have, Mm. you know, a small handful of coins in your purse, as it were. And maybe if you share one or two of these coins with the Alicanto, knowing that you do not have much to your name, the Alicanto will see this sign of selflessness and generosity and say, well, there's more where that came from. Because maybe the Alicanto is thinking, like, if you're willing to share your gold when you have so little of it, then, like, maybe you can help me out. I know where there's a gold deposit. I can't get it out myself. You can help, like, excavate it. And then we can split the winnings. Snacky for me. A little windfall for you. Oh, that's smart. That's just sort of what, what I'm thinking. What a smart maybe. bird. Birds are like just sort of categorically no, they very are, intelligent. They're animals. very smart. They're very smart creatures. They scare me. Um, not I'm not genuinely scared of birds. Like I don't have ornithophobia or anything. It's more just like mm-hmm. a, a creature sure. that understands as much as birds do uh, and also has knives on its feet is 
Yeah, that's fair. Is a lot, but I also do love them and think they're great. If I see, they're very good. If I do see an alicanto in the wild, I don't know if there's much that could stop me from attempting to pet, to pet its beautiful, beautiful metallic plumage. It's gorgeous plumage. I mean, that's the thing, right? They're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love birds. I would definitely like try to talk to this thing. <laughs> you would try to talk to it. Yeah, I love talking to birds. What would you say? I don't know. I would just like do a little whistle, like sort of hold out whatever little coins I had. Hope oh. that it would not sort of accidentally remove my hand by trying to get at the little, <laughs> get at those little sparkles, little bits. <laughs> Do you, Addison, I have a question. Uh-huh. Do you think modern Alicanto are into Bitcoin? Oh, God. I was going to say I think they eat credit cards, but... <laughs> I think they're into Bitcoin. Uh, well, what color they, would they... it turn? <laughs> um, cyber green. Cool. They um they they trawl the forums looking for the most skilled Bitcoin miners who can help them. Oh yeah, they love <laughs> cryptocurrency. <laughs> yes, they love cryptocurrency, Alex. Mm-hmm. They're really into it. Anyway, um, a I few just... more pieces of, of information about the Alicanto, really quick. Oh yes, please. And then we can get back to whatever you were gonna say. I just want to make sure I don't forget these details. No, yes. Um, so the Alicanto, by some accounts, actually never flies at all. Um, I know they're the, the the main sort of lore that I found is that they can fly, but after they've eaten, they're usually too heavy to do so. Um, some accounts say that the Alicanto just, like, can never really fly because so much of their diet is just metal <laughs> that, you know, they're never really going to get to that point. Um, but instead, they run with their wings spread. And, like, an Alicanto that has just eaten cannot run very quickly, but an Alicanto who uh, is hungry, like, can move very fast. <laughs> So when they push you off a cliff, you mean they push you off a cliff. They probably just push you. <laughs> like they run full speed at you with their wings open and push you off the cliff. Yeah, they just like hip check you off a cliff. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, they are often seen like living in caves and mine shafts, um, sort of searching around for, I guess, loose gold or silver. And apparently, by some accounts, they they lay their eggs and nest in the caves as well and lay up to two eggs at a time. The shells are either silver or gold, depending on, you know, what breed of Alicanto it is. I was going to ask. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like they probably hang out in caves and mines because those are the places where it's dark and they can show off the fact that they glow. Yeah, of course. I feel like these birds uh, apparently, like to show Apparently, off. they glow so brightly that they do not cast a shadow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right? Oh, they're beautiful. They really, truly are. If I had gold, I would give them some. What am I going to do? Just have gold? Seriously, just stick it under my mattress? I don't know. That doesn't help me at all. What do you do with gold? Feed it to a bird. You feed it to birds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, the thing I was going to say earlier was just that I was imagining like a thrifty alicanto that eats pennies. Oh. And it turns like a nice I, I am obsessed with this idea copper. of like, of alicanto that sort of like live in different places or have adapted to different places. And now um, they look like totally different species of birds altogether. And they have different plumage based on what they eat. Like I'm imagining sort of a, a, a more pigeon like Elecanto that lives in New York. And it's just like always copper because it just eats pennies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going be fun. I'm imagining like a beautiful, like crystal, like a more bird with like crystalline white plumage because it like is the pet of like a very wealthy family and it eats diamonds. Oh yeah. And it sort of struts around the lawn like a peacock. 
<laughs> I'm imagining something sort of like an albino peacock. I love that. Which if you haven't seen them, they're very pretty. Peacocks in general are very pretty. They're also very, very weird birds. Yeah, yeah, extremely. So that's actually all the information I have on the Alicanto, but I did find something fascinating when I was researching them. Yes. And something that sort of makes me think this idea of like regional variants is maybe not so far-fetched. Okay. So in historical mythology, there is actually a really strikingly similar creature from uh, ancient German lore called the Hercinia. Oh, the Hercinia is a legendary bird with glowing feathers that was said to inhabit the Hercinian forest of ancient Germany. Now, the Hercinia is actually depicted in, like, medieval bestiaries. Like, it shows up <gasps> frequently. Ooh. And it was recorded in the first century by, any guesses? I have no guesses. <laughs> Pliny the Elder. <gasps> oh, Pliny the Elder. Who wrote... Who wrote, in the Hercinian forest in Germany, we hear of a singular kind of bird, the feathers of which shine at night like fire. In the 7th century, Isidore of Seville notes that their feathers sparkle so much in the shade that however dark the night is with thick shadows, these feathers, when placed on the ground, give off light that helps to mark the way. And the sign of the glittering feathers makes clear the direction of the path. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so the Hercinia was like a fairly commonly reported bird in like medieval bestiaries um it's also known as the so hercinia is spelled h-e-r-c-y-n-i-a or h-e-r-c-i-n-i-a um uh-uh. but it's also known as the ursini i think e-r-c-i-n-e-e mm-hmm. or ursine yeah um so their plumage glows at night they're birds that live in the hercinian forest of germany their feathers retain their glow even removed from the bird like we just talked about in bestiaries in medieval bestiaries illustrations of the bird were often accented with gold or silver leaf so that the illustration would have these birds that were gold or silver okay this is the same bird (laughs) it's the same bird apparently following one was good luck and travelers through the forest at night would often look to them for guidance because their feathers shone through the darkness i have such a specific idea of like a hansel and gretel type story where instead of leaving um breadcrumbs they leave uh feathers yeah right Mm -hmm. it'd be pretty cool so what's interesting about this is that if you go down like this rabbit hole with the alicanto there's really not a lot of speculation on like where these stories came from or what they're doing or like how real quote unquote they are or aren't if you follow the path of the hercinia however there's a little bit more information and they're clearly like the same bird um i think we can sort of extrapolate a little bit and talk about this so yeah if you're looking at the hercinia there is some speculation that reports of it were based on sightings of birds with iridescent feathers that reflected moonlight. So maybe the bird itself wasn't glowing, but in the moonlight, it looked like it was shining silver. There are birds that actually like have this phenomenon happen, um, including the barn owl, which is weirdly enough, the bird behind like every cryptid ever. The, did you say the barn owl? Yeah. Oh, the barn owl is... Such a mysterious beast. Such a what? I actually, here's my hot take. Here's my conspiracy theory. I don't think barn owls are real. Oh my god. I think every sighting of a barn owl ever has actually just been a different cryptid. Oh my god, Alex. <laughs> Galaxy braining over here. This is what quarantine is doing to me. You've transcended. I have. I really have. Anyway. Don't listen to what they tell you, folks. Barn owls aren't real. There's no such thing as a barn owl. Oh, well, that's sad because I like them. (laughs) I mean, 
what we have perceived as barn owls are still very cool animals, you know? I like their weird little faces. <laughs> well, apparently you have one more neat barn owl thing to add to the collection, which is that their feathers sometimes are iridescent and reflect moonlight. They're amazing. They're the perfect bird. They are. The American bittern also has this phenomenon associated with it. It's also possible, and I like this even more, that tales of the Hercinia were based upon birds that carried in their feathers bioluminescent fungi or bacteria. Yes. Which I think would be pretty neat. Bioluminescence. I've been waiting. Okay, mm -hmm. good. So yeah, cool glowing birds in the middle of the Hercinian forest. It doesn't really get oh. any cooler than that. Pretty and much every you know, article that references either the Alicanto or the Hercinia um, will eventually, mm -hmm. like if you follow the related links enough, connect to each other. So I'm not the first person to make this connection. I'm not claiming to be. But I do yeah. think that it lends credence to our idea of like maybe a beautiful utopia where where currency eating birds are just sort of all over the globe munching on whatever they can get their little claws on. Listen, I'm a simple woman. I don't ask for much. Just an Alicanto in every home. <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness though um knowing that there's versions of the bird that go kind of throughout the world it starts to sort of invoke other imagery like this is a very specific thing obviously it's not the glowing bird but i keep thinking about the goose that lays the golden eggs yeah as like a fairy tale um as like a fairy tale figure totally because you already mentioned that this thing lays eggs that are gold silver or silver or gold yeah. shell yeah and Which is that's just a very like, that had to come from somewhere, right? Exactly. Having that much overlap um, in imagery, and obviously part of it's just because it's like a wealth fantasy, like having a goose that just lays gold, like amazing. But but the goose that lays golden eggs is such a prominent like creature. Yeah, definitely. It, it does show up several times, and I think it's also you know just to sort of extrapolate a little bit on that. Um, I think that the whole goosling the golden egg thing, in a metaphorical sense, is about the idea of you know, greatness coming from humble origins or something that doesn't seem to be worth very much uh, mm -hmm. with someone who pays the proper attention and care actually yields wonderful results or something that's easily dismissed. But, you know, somebody who is hardworking and humble, like, can take this creature and from it yield some incredible, amazing thing. I think people like inherently the idea that good people will get good things even when they seem to have gotten the short end of the deal. Um, mm -hmm. Whether or not that always pans out as true is historically uh maybe uncertain but i think it's a it's a good idea the hercinia interestingly enough um mm -hmm. is often associated as being like a very very positive sense of imagery it's sort of this idea of like hope in the darkness you know a light in a otherwise innavigable forest you're wandering alone at night the forest is i mean in forests in germany especially ancient germany i can imagine like very scary imposing oh my god like the black um, forest the black forest and then imagine just like you know wandering through there at night your lantern goes out you didn't mean to stay this long and all of a sudden like as you think there is no hope anywhere to be found you'll never find your way out all you can do is wait until morning like suddenly this beautiful glowing golden bird appears and lights your way out like that's amazing that's a gorgeous very poetic imagery right there um but i think it's fascinating that the hercinia sort of has that reputation going for it and the alicanto is like i mean if you share your money with me if the price is right maybe i won't eat you off a cliff <laughs> that's true i was gonna say there's a bit of a tonal difference between the two maybe the only difference seems to be the <laughs> seems to be the reputation <laughs> Maybe the only difference is the Alicanto sees an opportunity. 
<laughs> Listen, I like that the Alicanto is sort of more positioned as like that figure in like the crime movie. That's like the guy who sits in the back of the bar and like <laughs> nobody talks to him, but they're like, you're going to want to ask Doc over there. Hey, and then you go and he's like, I like you. I like your attitude. Yeah. You, uh, I can help you for a price. You can help me. We might be able to help each other. You know what I'm saying? Word on the street is there's a mine shaft over there. Got some gold inside. <laughs> Maybe we check it out. Maybe we split <laughs> things evenly. We see I'm what happens. I'm a busy bird. I can't go uh, looking in every mine shaft myself. But if you find something, you let me know. And I will know if you find something. <laughs> so you better let me know. <laughs> People who don't let me know when they find stuff tend to, uh, find themselves at the bottom of a cliff. Da, da, da. Um, I love it. I love the Alicanto. And, you know, it goes without saying, well, I guess it goes with saying, <laughs> it's my job to say, <laughs> that the Alicanto is also a good luck omen. Like, there is that association with it. It's just sort of like a much more chancy mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, you know, following an Alicanto could be your lucky day. Could be a total windfall for you. But if you're not so careful if you're not so cautious it could also be the last a day ship in life. harbor is safe but that's not what ships are for but that's not what ships are for sail the open seas follow that bird <laughs> so uh that's what i got for you on magic birds today also i wanted to say thank you for bringing that because as fun as it is and as silly as it is to make jokes about the about the pretty bird that eats gold it's also um not lost on me that this is a symbol of finding light in a dark time. Yeah, I think there's something nice and about the idea of, you know, feeling kind of overwhelmed and and uh, fenced in and maybe without a lot of resources available to you. And then there is a, a, a bright light that you don't really know necessarily where it's going to take you, but you can hope it's somewhere better than this. Yeah, we just all we can do is follow the feathers. It's beautiful. And uh, if you find some gold, make sure to share. Yes, exactly. Otherwise, you'll get chased into a ravine. (laughs) As should befall all capitalists who find large windfalls and then do not spread them around. Spread the wealth. Listen, listen. Alicanto's got got expensive taste, but birds gotta eat. Birds gotta eat. What seems like pay dirt to you is just like a nice meal for the Alicanto. Fish gotta swim. You can't starve a bird just because you could buy 60 other birds with it. Dang. No, it's fair. If I could invest bird seed, I feel like we'd have a similar conversation about all birds. <laughs> I don't know what people do with money. Invest? Is that what they Probably. do? Probably. That's what I, they tell me. Play the turnip market on Animal Crossing? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, buy some gold, feed it to a bird. That seems like as good a use as any. Listen, that's not more frivolous than what most millionaires do. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I've been, I have to not look at a, what like super rich people are getting up to during this oh quarantine God. time because I get angry. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. But, you know, hey, listeners, I hope you're all doing all right out there. Mm-hmm. I hope you're doing all right. I hope you remember to follow the feathers. Again, if you find some gold or silver, feed it to a drink, bird. Don't also do that. drink some Wait. water. <laughs> like, that's some advice that I can genuinely give you in these trying times. Because um, I'm not doing enough of that. Yeah, actually, drink some water. Oh, that reminds me. Um, I'm staring at the empty cup on my desk. I, uh-huh. I <laughs> Orders for the Jeff the Mongoose shirts have been placed. 
they should be here at my home uh, by the end of the week, which will be great. Hooray! Um, I also did get in yesterday the Revenant Pride stickers. They're super cute. They look awesome. And I can't wait to send those out as well. If you are waiting on a package for me, which I know a couple people are, it's not a lot, um, I will be able to get those out to you very soon. I apologize. I have been self-quarantining, so I did not want to go to the post office. Um, you know, mailing packages and getting hands all over things and waiting in long lines in an enclosed space did not seem like the best use of my time or personal resources or personal risk assumption. So, um, I have been in my home not interacting with other people for like two weeks as of Monday. So I think I'm safe for other people. Um, so I can go mm -hmm. out and mail packages this week, but I was waiting to do that until such a time as it became responsible to do so. Thank you for doing your part. Speaking of which, do your part. Stay home uh, unless you can't. If you have the option, I know that it's a privilege to be able to stay home. Some people have to work. Some people do not have the ability to be self-isolating, to be sure. practicing social distancing. But if you are able, please... I know it's I, can, I know it sucks. I know it's hard. I know it's can be really difficult on the mental health, but you are really doing the right thing and you are keeping people safe and keeping yourself safe. So if you can stay home, stay home. Uh, listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Make your bed, drink some water, take a shower. Do whatever you can. Honestly, you will feel so much there better. Are like, there are little things that you absolutely can let slide that you don't feel like doing now if you're staying in your home. Um, and I respect that. Like, if you want to stay in sweatpants all day, I, I feel that. I respect you. I admire your dedication to coziness. And I think that's an admirable thing in this world. Take that chance while you have it. But do take a shower and then, like, Febreze the sweatpants you've been wearing for three days. <laughs> it will make a difference in your mental health. I promise you. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope that you all have enjoyed this episode and I hope it's provided some welcome distraction, kind of a fun place to retreat to in these really difficult, weird, unprecedented times. Weird is not a strong enough word, but at the same time, it's like the only word I come back to over and over yeah. again is just weird. This feels weird. Everything feels weird. Weird was made for days like these. Yeah. So as always, friends, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Pretty, witty, and gay.